real news. Welcome everyone to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today is May 19th, 2020. Um, I have to say, uh, I'm, today is a special day for me. It was the first day that I became a mother in my life. Uh, 20 years ago, I was a young 20 something, super young. I was 22. And, you know, this human being decided to come out months early. And, uh, you know, I, not only was I a first time parent and, you know, uncertain of what is to come, uh, for making that decision while everyone was telling me to terminate, um, the pregnancy, I can say it was like the most incredible, uh, I would, I, I, I can't even, there's no words for it. I mean, you know, you get this little tiny human that you're scared to touch because they might break. And, uh, she was in an incubator for almost four months, uh, because she was so early and now she's independent, strong, intelligent. She's ever, she's the best version of me I could have been at 20. I mean, at 20, I was doing a lot of things, things that I'm like, Oh my gosh, how am I still alive? You know, um, I had already traveled uh, a lot, had seen a lot. I mean, I remember when I was 19, I was in some place in the Middle East and I could hear, I have like this white hair in the front of my head and I actually heard it like, like turn white. So she's, she's been armed with, uh, knowledge, uh, the ability to be objective. Uh, you know, as a parent, I feel I succeeded in that. Um, and she's, and she reminds me of that success. Uh, so happy birthday to my eldest, um, who's probably not listening because she's sleeping in cause it's her birthday. <laughs> and, um, you know, she's now serving all of us, uh, serving our country, which I'm extremely proud, uh, to say, and um, so today is a special day for me. Uh, it was a weird uh, day in my history. First time weird in the sense of, you know, unexpected. That, those were uncharted waters. Anyone who's ever become a parent for the first time is like, all right, I've read the books. Uh, everyone's told me what to do. And this tiny human is dependent on me. Um, and you're just scared that you're going to do something wrong <laughs> and break them. And taking that, I'm just saying, this is the way, and I'm going to tell you, the birth of our nation was almost the same. It was something different, something new, something that, you know, the slightest misstep could kill it, right? Uh, one drop, one uh, walking the wrong way, one saying the wrong thing. I'm just saying this nation was built with uncertainty. Uh, you know, it was a revolution. Everybody hated George Washington. How dare he tell the people that what he has to do is not revolt. How dare he take away the security of the crown? How dare he take away the, 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 the protection that the crown offered and rebel and give nothing but, well, I don't know how it's going to turn out guys, but we're going to leave this, you know, uh, regime and we're going to take our nation and we're going to raise it the way we want to. We're going to take these lands to ourselves. And that was one of the most incredible births. The idea that man is free, the idea that man can shape their future and that man has the right to choose uh, something that is innate to us from, from the day we're born, right? Uh, you have the right to choose. 
and, and, and that's it. You know, you, you have the right to choose everything. So right now it's, 2020, two, 200 somewhat years after we revolted and we're back to square one and the regime is an invisible regime with the biggest, you know, bullhorn that can deafen us with their messages. And it's coming from both sides, from the people that supposedly are fighting for our freedoms are also saying the same things that those that are on the other side that are trying to suppress them. They're trying to convince you that every single person around you is a danger. They're trying to convince you that an accessory, because unless it's actually proven to be effective in causing, in deterring disease, a mask is simply an accessory. If it is not federal law, no one can force you to wear it. Yes, they can refuse you service. And that is where the laws come into play. This is where you file things. This is where you demand justice and hold them accountable for those things that they are imposing on you, especially those of you that have subscriptions. I mean, if you're a Costco customer and they're telling you you can't enter without, uh, you know, a mask, you can always demand your fees back in full and take them for breach of contract because nowhere in their contracts does it say that we can force you to wear an article of clothing to come into our stores. And if they say you need to wear it to protect us, they have to prove that you're a danger to them for not wearing it. I mean, that's common sense. It's like yesterday I went um, to T-Mobile to sort out my daughter's account. And so I was there and they were like, yeah, you have to wear a mask or a covering. And I was like, so like a scarf? He was like, yeah. I was like, I don't want to wear it. I can't wear it. I'm not going to wear it. Yeah, you can't come in. I was like, so you're forcing me to wear a mask. Do you have masks to hand out? No. So you're refusing me services that I'm already contracted to have. You're flipping the terms of service on me and you didn't notify me on something that you decide. Can you prove I'm a danger to you? No. So then how can you force me to wear something. What's next? Are we forced to wear hijabs, forced to wear cowboy hats, cowboy boots, a belt, or maybe, you know, a burqa? Is that where we're going to go? That we're going to be telling people what they're supposed to wear? Like, for example, a store says you can't wear open toe shoes. Why? Okay. Contamination. I'm just saying it's not a store like laboratories do that. You know, when you work in a lab, you can't wear open toe shoes because you can cause damage and then they're responsible. But how's this? Topless people. Why? Uh, You know, indecent exposure because if we're giving it to men we got to give it to women and for women it's considered indecent so ergo you got to wear a shirt you know these are simple things that abide that um are lock and step with laws that are there for whatever reason indecent exposure being one of them and you know i don't need my kids you know when i'm in the store you know looking at a you know a beer belly sweating hair and no one's going to want to see me walking around the produce aisle topless. So I get it. But to tell me that I have to wear a mask, if your employees are forced to wear a mask, then let them wear a mask. I don't have to, they're protected obviously. So what do you care? So here is where they are overstepping their boundaries of ability to enforce things. A company cannot do that as they wish, especially one that you have a contract with. So for all you people out there that have Costco contracts that you pay to access, you should be kicking up a stink. You shouldn't be sitting there saying, oh, well, you know, no, no, no. This is where you need to be kicking up a stink. It doesn't cost much. I actually checked into it. It's going to cost me $30 to file something. And now with coronavirus, I could get that waves and say, you know, I'm not getting my income. So 
you know, and there you go. And the bottom line is uh, T-Mobile is going to have to send an army of attorneys that's going to cost them five grand. I'm going to say I want 20 grand, whatever the maximum is. I haven't uh, read into everything because I'm going to formulate it myself. Sit at my computer, type it up, walk over, drop it off and have it hurt because this is how you make your voice hurt. And what the judge is going to tell me what, Oh, you're not entitled to money. That's fine. Just rule against them anyway, because they can't force me to do it. They changed the term of service. For me, it's more of a kind of quasi breach of contract because I can supposedly have services over the phone, but you know, you get instant services and more of a service when you're in the store. Like, you know, she wanted to look at her phone because it was like not working properly and maybe see if they would swap it out with something else and you can't do that over the phone they'll be like oh send us your phone and then you know five to seven days later we'll send it back you know that's not the same thing so i just wanted to say all of you should be taking control of that it in this day and age you can even waive your fees because of coronavirus and keep filing and filing and filing i have been reading from across the nation you know karen's calling in on companies and businesses in cleveland you know they had their patios open and stuff for business Karen's actually called into that and it's like oh my gosh like how sad is that that a Karen would call in and say people are you know not social distancing properly and I'm really really upset and so they cite them they cite them because their employees aren't wearing masks uh it's not enforced it's not a law you have no right to superimpose that that's number one the business can decide if the barman needs to wear a mask you know and if you go there and the guy's not wearing a mask and you subscribe to conspiracy theories and feel uncomfortable then don't get the drink and that's the way it is so these in and some businesses actually apologized and i was like oh losers and you know because they all depend these swanky places with their patios depend on leftists that are completely insane i even went to one of the one in texas and one uh, in cleveland ohio and another site utah on facebook and i was like oh my gosh reading the comments i see that your majority of your <laughs> of your patrons are suffer from tds hundreds of comments that were just insane these people are scared of their own shadow they're scared of everything and they believe that they're all gonna die as well all of them all of them believe they're gonna die and this is constantly happening and what is it that one can do about it what can you do just file file and file uh, so I received some information from a, a state Senate candidate uh, from the state of Ohio that has evidence that Governor DeWine of uh, Ohio had actually started implementing things to take over the police in case of a pandemic. And that was a year from um, that was actually a year ago at the same time they dropped that cares act last year, but it wasn't the cares act. You know how they covered it up, said conspiracy theory, that one. So I'm still delving into that. Um, only because I've just been so insanely busy plowing through documentation and paperwork because I don't think people understand just how long it takes to put reports together, like written reports. I could talk about it, but 
putting it together or there's audio from a specific interview that I had that I want to put out for my subscribe stars and then uh, publish it out there for the rest of you at some point. But I haven't found the right, it wasn't the right time because the stuff that were discussed weren't supposed to be discussed at that time. So I will be getting it out because I was listening to it and, you know, many of you have come back to me saying, whoa, you talked about this a year and a half. Or like you saw the articles that I wrote, you know, they were over two years old and now it's important. And that's because if I say things too soon, if I give information too soon, it gets lost in the shuffle. Because, you know, time travel and everything. So I got I to gotta have the timing a little bit closer to home. Like how I was talking about the IG of the State Department and all these IGs. I said all of them are getting fired, right? Told you that. They're all getting replaced. Uh, said that months and months ago. Reiterated it again. Talked about the State Department IG how many times? Because these people are the source of the problem. If your watchdogs are corrupt, then, you know, your whistleblower complaints uh, are, you know, down to the trash, fraud, waste, and abuse happens out in the trash. Nobody cares. Nobody listens. That's the way it is. So we are, we have to understand that sometimes news has to come at a certain time. Kind of like the president could have told us he's taking hydroxychloroquine weeks ago when he started, but he didn't. He told us yesterday and that was pretty interesting. Um, and I want you guys to hear, um, how, uh, how the is it the five um the five took the take um i think i have one from the five on what they have to say about the president um taking hydroxychloroquine that was a pretty interesting um take uh the way uh they discussed how the president is taking hydroxychloroquine take a listen to it President Trump making an announcement moments ago at a White House event saying that he has been taking hydroxychloroquine for about a week and a half now. The frontline workers, many, many are taking it. I happen to be taking it. I happen to be taking it. Hydroxychloroquine? I'm taking it. Hydroxychloroquine. Did the White House doctor recommend that you take that? Is that why you're taking it? Yeah, White House doctor. I didn't recommend. No, I asked him, what do you think? He said, well, if you'd like it. I said, yeah, I'd like it. I'd like to take it. I want the people of this nation to feel good. I don't want them being sick. And there's a very good chance that this has an impact. So I'm taking the two, the zinc and the hydroxy. And all I can tell you is so far, I seem to be okay. The president adding that he has had no symptoms for coronavirus and is taking the drug for precautionary measures. This news breaking just recently. Greg, let me go to you first because you cover this uh, you've drug for many weeks. We've all read about it. We read we had the hopes for it, the controversies about it. And now the president dropping this news into the news cycle at about 430 this afternoon. I love it when he says, yeah, just very casually. I'm taking hydroxychloroquine. I would have told you sooner, but you didn't ask. And that was perfect. <laughs> Again, the most transparent president ever. And it's important to, to note that his explanation was incredibly nuanced. It's about who you give it to and when. Uh, he is correct. There are a lot of people taking this who know what they're doing. I've talked to doctors, many people that you know, and they were talking about it as a prophylactic, I don't know, two months ago. He was also really dead on about that last study 
which the media glommed onto because they wanted that drug to be a failure because they want Trump to fail. So they, they played up this study in which the drug was given to people who are essentially near death. And so you couldn't tell it, what was going to happen if they were if it was too late. When you get this drug to people who can tolerate it, I, I don't think you can have any kind of heart condition or arrhythmias and things like that. If you can take it prophylactically uh, and, and you might you it's 40 years, it's FDA approved. It's been around for decades. Uh, it's a say it's one of those things that it's, it's if it's available to you and you can take it, you do it. That's a prudent way of looking at it. Dagan, there was an FDA warning about what Greg was talking about, that if you had uh, any sort of heart condition, you should not take it. I don't have the FDA document in front of me. Um, but there are also people who have uh, conditions like lupus uh, that take this drug because it does help them. That is proven to help them. And they need the drug and a run on this drug by people who are trying to prevent getting coronavirus when we know that actually, you know, washing your hands and not touching your face is probably the best way. Um, there is a concern by people that have lupus that if there's a run on this drug, or right. doctors are being pressured to prescribe it to people who don't necessarily need it yet. I'm not saying that people shouldn't take it. I'm not saying that at all. But there is a concern by those who are actually sick. Right. If you're not sick and your doctor tells you, no, don't take it, please listen to your doctor. Leave it to President Trump for doing a giant cannonball, <laughs> bloom, right into the middle of the news cycle. A belly flop is what the Wall Street Journal always calls it, because we got this incredible news on a vaccine from Moderna that they announced early this morning. Right. That's why the market was up so much that the immune responses in some of the healthy volunteers who were vaccinated in a clinical study that um, in, they was induced. So they had a healthy response to it. And this is one of the first vaccines that we're going to hear about. You, Moderna, Pfizer are working on vaccines, Johnson & Johnson, Sanofi, just to name a few. But this is what's going to dominate the news cycle. And in terms of hydroxychloroquine, there have been some observational studies about it. And there was one that was done in New York City that was released just uh, not long ago, like a few weeks ago. And it basically found no impact from the, the drug on, I think that it was, hold on, I'll find it. But anyway, it was, um, there was no impact on people who were sick, not positive and not negative. But we're mm -hmm. waiting for longer term trials to come out. Mm-hmm. So that news about the Moderna vaccine broke before the markets opened today, Juan, and it was one of the reasons that the market, I don't know what it finally finished at, but it was around 1,000 points up. So you have that good news on that vaccine that could possibly be available for emergency use by fall if everything goes well. should caveat that. But this debate about hydroxychloroquine somehow became a red versus blue issue, and I can't imagine this is not going to stir that up again. What well, okay, before we listen to him, let's put it this way. The president of the United States, his health is important for what? For our national security. So do you think that uh, the White House physician, the president's physician, would let him take a medication that would jeopardize our national security? He would be hung for treason, right? So again, 
And now with him coming out with hydroxychloroquine is what he's been taking, right? It's pretty, it's pretty incredible. What does that tell you? It tells you that if it's safe enough to give to our president of the United States, which if anything happens to him, jeopardizes our national security, then it's definitely safe for everyone else. But the crypt keeper, Nancy Pelosi, who seems to be trying to look like Michael Jackson in his final days, uh, said this. As far as the president is concerned, um, the, uh, our, he's our president, and I would rather he not be taking something that has not been approved uh, by the scientist, especially in his age group and in his, shall we say, weight group, what is morbidly obese, they say. As far as the- she just called him morbidly obese, so not approved by the scientist. Obviously, the White House physician approved it. So is he not a scientist? I'm pretty sure he is. And I'm pretty sure that um, it's safe because if the physician gave him something that wasn't safe, he'd be in a lot of trouble. So uh, on that, let's listen to what, uh, you know, the, the clown show is uh, putting out here on hydroxychloroquine, how it's a red and blue issue. No, you guys are making it a red and blue issue. This should be a BS and non-BS issue, right? This is a, we don't need vaccines to alter our DNA any more base pairs than they have already issue compared to, hey, we could take it prophylactically uh, if we're prone to it or if we see early signs and we are able to diagnose that we have that strand that we could take it early on rather than when we're dying with a respirator. Speaking of which, what is Chris, did Chris Cuomo take hydroxychloroquine? It would be fun to see if Nancy Pelosi is taking hydroxychloroquine prophylactically. Wouldn't it be interesting if there was evidence that these leftist clowns that are attacking hydroxychloroquine are indeed taking it? I mean, there's HIPAA, but I mean, if it gets leaked, and they can't trace the leak, then I'm just saying. Let's take a listen to their analysis of how this is a left and right issue, not a, yeah, we prefer to live and not alter our DNA issue. What do you think? I don't know about red versus blue, but I think it's it's a Trump issue. You know, it's all about him. And what's interesting to me in this breaking news is I guess he's worried about getting sick uh, and more so than I might have appreciated uh, if he's been taking this for a week and a half because that would even be before uh, there was concern about Vice President Pence and then there was one of his aides and of course the Vice President's press secretary uh, who tested positive. The Vice President didn't test positive but he self-isolated because of his association contact with his press secretary. Um, so I think the president is worried. And we know, as Jesse likes to remind me, that the president is a germaphobe. But he didn't wear the mask. I don't know about the hand washing. Uh, someone told me the other day that even now the White House mess is closed. I think, Dana, you would appreciate that that's pretty severe for people who work at the White House, that you have to do takeout. So I think that there's a sense at the White House that things are maybe more severe than the president likes to tell the American people in terms of mm. worrying about this pandemic. Mm. And th th to pick up again on what Dagan was talking about, there's good news about the vaccine. But if you look at the big hospital studies about the use of hydrochloroquine chloroquine in New York City, 
if you look at the VA study, if you look at academic studies, everybody comes back and says, uh, there's no evidence that this is going to have an impact, a positive impact, that it has real efficacy in terms of preventing you from getting disease. But apparently the president believes his own spin because uh, you're not getting this from any government or academic authority. Well, they... There You're have been, and I'm not saying that anecdotal evidence is everything, but <laughs> anecdotal evidence does exist, Jesse, where some people say that if they weren't severely sick and they took it, it did help them get back. But the other thing, Jesse, is that um, the president <laughs> says that he asked the doctors. The doctor said, OK, we can try it. It's like, you're OK to try it. We do know one thing, and that right. the White House medical doctors are responsible to make sure that the president is in the best health possible because he is the leader of the free world and the commander in chief. So... Before the, you know, everybody runs away with this, like as a crazy town, like I do think that the doctors <laughs> saying, OK, we can do that. We should have some confidence in them. Yeah, Juan's acting like the president just announced he was making meth in the East Wing. Like this is not some like <laughs> radical cocktail. The president's like, I'll take some uppers and some downers, maybe a shot or two. You know? Like Juan, the doctor of the White House prescribed this. Like this is under the administration of. Wait, 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 Jesse. He said he could do it. He you didn't know, prescribe like, it. What, same right. thing. Okay, well, he administered it, Juan. And what's the difference? He didn't go to CVS to get it. Like, you're splitting hairs. If the president asked the doctor, okay. the doctor says, yeah, what's wrong with that? I go mean, ahead. everybody's acting like you should have seen the media when he made the announcement. It was like when your daughter comes home from college and, like, at dinner, she's like, yeah, I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like that parents are like, whoa, like, what? You've been home for a week and now you tell me like, like, come on. This is like, oh it's an gosh. anti-malarial drug that people take all over the world. It's been taken for what, 40 to 60 years. And it and works also, for some, it doesn't work for others. I think we're making a little too big deal out of this. Like we always do when it comes. Well, let's say this. It's not such a big deal. It's actually indicating that, um, hey, maybe this medication works. Because like Jesse also said, uh, the president's private physician, the White House physician, prescribed it to him. It's not like he could demand a prescription. I'll see you all in just a bit. The forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. Every decision will be made to benefit American workers and American families. America will start winning again, winning like never before. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. No challenge can match the heart and fight and spirit of America. We will not fail. Our country will thrive and prosper again. Your voice, your hopes, and your dreams will define our American destiny. 
When America is united, America is totally unstoppable. After nearly four years, my family's nightmare is finally over. We couldn't have survived this without the love and support of the millions of patriots around the world. Thank you from the bottom of our heart. Hi, I'm Laura Loomer, and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. Wouldn't it be horrible if we lived in a nation where journalists were silenced just because they confronted the political and media elite? You might think that could never happen in America, but it did. And to me. For confronting people like Hillary Clinton on her corruption and Ilhan Omar for her ties to radical Islamic terror groups, I have been banned on pretty much every single social media platform. And if that doesn't sound extreme enough, I'm also banned on Uber and Lyft. I know, I cannot understand that last one either. When this all happened to me, I contacted the media and members of Congress. I asked them for help. I kept calling, I kept emailing, but I never received a reply. And that's when it hit me. I'm a well-known journalist who has the phone numbers of the most powerful people in politics and media, yet I couldn't get any assistance. What on earth would the average American do if the same thing happened to them? I realized then that if I wanted to see change, that I would need to run for office. The American people deserve representation that listens to and acts on their concerns. So here I am, running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District, because the American people deserve a voice and a representative who, like President Trump, will keep the promises they make and speak up loudly and clearly for that silent majority. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So we're going to we're going to revisit how President Trump pretty much torched uh, the <laughs> the questions. Um, and he torched Obama, basically, at the little round table before we get to the press secretary who explains why the president has been taking hydroxychloroquine, which is uh, obviously what Boris Johnson took, I believe, uh, along with other things, because he was a little bit more advanced. Take a listen to our president yesterday. Obama's uh, speeches over, over the weekend. Look, I think he was an incompetent president. I think. I'm going to stop it right there. He was an incompetent president. That's where we're going to leave it first. Let's just go to the press secretary first. I just wanted to hear that. I just wanted to hear it. Let me just hear it again. Oh, it sounds so good. First of all, he was an incompetent president. Well, President Obama's uh, speeches over, over the weekend. Look, I think he was an incompetent president. Yes, he was very incompetent. Well, anyway, here's how doctors were mixed on Trump taking doctors that do not look after the president of the United States are have mixed emotions about the president taking hydroxychloroquine. Take a listen. She is the White House press secretary there in D.C. Good morning, T. Kaylee. Good morning, Ainsley. Good morning. So that made a lot of headlines yesterday. It was talked about on, on most or all of the channels yesterday. You know, usually it is something that you just keep between yourself and your doctor. We don't walk around talking about what drugs we're taking. Did the president just want to be transparent or was it something he didn't think would be a big deal? Why did he decide to talk about it? 
The president just wanted to be transparent about his personal health decision that he made in consultation with his doctor. Um, and one of the things that I really want to get out there this morning that unfortunately there's a lot of misinformation about is, you know, first let me emphasize strongly uh, that any use of hydroxychloroquine has to be in consultation with your doctor. You have to have a prescription. Uh, that's the way it must be done. That being said, I talked to the FDA commissioner this morning, Stephen Hahn. He said hydroxychloroquine has been approved for three other uses. Uh, we have a lot of information about the safety of this drug, though ultimately you make that decision with your doctor. So some of the misreporting on other networks, um, these apoplectic um, analyses of hydroxychloroquine ignore the fact that tens of millions of people around the world have used this drug for other purposes, inc including some people in my communications office uh, who used it for malaria prophylaxis before traveling to other parts of the world. Right. Kaylee, did the president start taking it 10 days ago because a couple of uh, members of the White House staff had tested positive and suddenly the coronavirus is, was inside the West Wing complex and he was just worried about that? Is, is that why he started or had he been talking with his doctor about taking it for a while? Yeah, so I don't have any information about the exact rationale. That was a personal deliberation uh, with Dr. Conley and the president. But as has been noted, the president has said um, pretty widely that this is a drug that he had looked at um, with optimism. But nevertheless, um, you know, he, he said that this is a decision that must be made with the doctor, as he's repeatedly said. Uh, Kaylee, I just want to uh, move on and talk about opening up the country and these businesses and states. Uh, Volpio, Dave, uh, Dave Portnoy, who I know is a sports guy, but he's as tapped in with the younger demo as anyone in America. He said, his, his, in his opinion, if Trump was on the other side of the spectrum uh, and, uh, and being like, let's keep the country locked down, my guess is everybody would say, open it up. Do you believe that some people are keeping their states locked down because it would bolster an economy that reflects the president's record in an election year? Look, you know, it, that's something that, you know, each governor, I, I certainly would hope not. I certainly would hope that they're not keeping their states closed for political reasons. But, you know, some of the decisions that have been made throughout this haven't been data driven. Um, I've mentioned some of those before. And you have to ask yourself why some state governors aren't following the data. All governors should, in fact, do that. But one thing I would note about reopening, Brian, we had a call with governors yesterday and the president was there and the vice president there was there. And one of the individuals we heard from on that call was Dr. McCann Cass who's a renowned expert on mental health. Um, and she noted the fact that about 120,000 people die per year because of suicide and drug overdose, and that those numbers can become exacerbated um, in an extended quarantine situation. So this isn't, as Dr. Azar said, or excuse me, um, Secretary Azar said, this is not health versus the economy. This is health versus health, because there are lives lost in a, a sustained quarantine, too. Right. And Kaylee, since you brought up that phone call with the president and the governors yesterday, at one point he said he would uh, be happy to have the federal government assist them with reopening. But he wasn't really specific. What does that mean? How would he help them? How would the federal government help the states? So one of the things that we've done, and it's been so impressive to see, is each state has given us a plan for what they believe they need for testing purposes. And we have been able to sit down, meticulously go through those plans and say, we can assure you that you will have enough testing for phase one that we've supplied. And of course, states should take the lead on this, but the federal government has come in in a huge audible and helped the states. I mean, it's been impressive to watch that operation play out in real time. Yeah, Kay 
So what they're discussing is, first of all, the hydroxychloroquine. We should, we should, we should talk about that a little bit more like I have. So there, this is a full blown attack against a drug that has been around for ages. And, uh, it's coming from the left and the right, which is horrific, right? So you have to think, like, why wouldn't they want, uh, us to have access to this medication? Why do they insist that scientists have said no? Yet the leading physician that looks after the president into the United States that could be hung for treason if he did anything to jeopardize him, right? It's not like the president could say, listen, doc, you're giving this to me. No, he is now a, an interest of the U.S. government. President Trump can't even take a medication or eat something that hasn't been screened and approved. So that tells you everything you need to know. I mean, why is it that they want uh, this pandemic to keep going? Why are the governors taking over? Why are they demanding this? Why don't they want you to get over it and move on? I mean, think about it. You know, people uh, want you to be scared to, to meet someone at the elevator or in your hallway or at your lobby or outside your house while you're mowing the lawn, you know, while you're in traffic in a car, <laughs> while you go to the supermarket. There's a, there was a stupid thing that I saw online where, where a bar had people wear, you know, like a big fat tire around their waist to have a six feet distance. That was the most ridiculous thing I have ever seen. A mask that now you can remote control open it so you can eat with friends without taking off your mask like this is pure insanity a hundred percent how does that even help (laughs) you're just gonna open it up and chew this is so dumb and all the while they don't even want to say hey china 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 you had this virus released there whoever did it either that be you or anybody else we don't want to point the finger on who released it yet we just want to say how come you didn't tell us and then we have the who hey who you said this wasn't human to human contracted so why don't you explain to everyone why you use a little h and why you made it sound like people can't catch this this is a question. Why is it that the mainstream media is doing this? Why is it that all these clowns are taking hydroxychloroquine and not telling the world? Prove me wrong. I dare Chris Cuomo, Pelosi, all of them have been prescribed hydroxychloroquine because she's an interest of national security too. Want to make a bet? Because that's the way it is. I mean, we could always do a FOIA. I mean, that's genius actually. I will put in a FOIA and request to see that uh, for the reasons of national security that the White House physician had issued hydroxychloroquine to the President of the United States prophylactically and thus also issued the same to Nancy Pelosi, the one that's saying that Trump is overweight and shouldn't be taking it. She is underweight, crip keeper, overdone on the plastic surgery and is taking it. Maybe that needs to come to light. Maybe people need to start. You know what? I'm actually going to do that. I know. I know I <laughs> today, today I should be working. Oh my God, I should be working. And you know, this is my job too, but I should be working because I, I need to, 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 to hunker down. I mean, I'm making myself available. You guys, I am available 120 hours a week and I'm not getting <laughs> enough work. I depend on people getting arrested at airports and people going to hospitals and no one's allowed to because they're busy making TikToks. Anyway, but I will file that FOIA request today. And once I do it, 
it. I will drop it on my Twitter, my Facebook, so you guys can see the reference number. Because uh, I think, you know, the president's health and the Speaker of the House's health is of public importance. Ergo, I can ask if they have if they have issued hydroxychloroquine in the interest of national security to Speaker Pelosi. I think HIPAA goes out the window if I word it right. We'll see. Worst case scenario, they tell me they can't tell me. But we should all know uh, for the sake of national security, right? I mean, this is it. This is how it is. They're trying to control what we see, what we think, what we're allowed to do. We're not even allowed to go back to our normal lives. We have companies like T-Mobile, Costco's, and Menards forcing people to wear masks when they don't have to. So this is them. So you have to think to yourself, why don't they want you to think for yourself? Why can't they say, well, you could decide if you want to wear a mask. Nope. We're telling you, you have to. And then you go to court and they're like, well, you can't really tell them. Well, it doesn't matter. You're one person and we've convinced tens of thousands of people to do so. Uh, you know, it's up to us to spread the word because we're the news. The news aren't going to be telling us the news. You know, we saw the CNN reporter remove the mask the minute the camera she thought were off. And she's like, oh, just because you saw me take it off doesn't mean. Yeah, it does mean you're a liar. You know something we don't. Well, no, you know, it's not what they're saying. So think about it. It's all about the election, all about the election. That's all, all about the election. And that is it. And I said it, I called it impeachment, election, impeachment, election. This is what they're doing. They're trying to hold us hostage in our homes and to not be able to go out and enjoy life because they want you to be scared of your own shadow. And I'm going to say, you know, they're going to push this even harder. They're going to push it harder when schools are supposed to get back to normal. And I want them to. I mean, my youngest is going to be a freshman in high school. I want her to feel like, you know, I didn't have that. I didn't have that freshman year at high school. Well, I did, but I was like, what was I like? <laughs> I was like 12, 11, shoot. Kids were way older than me. Most of them had fluff stashes, you know, and I was just the nerd kid. Um, so I never had that. I never had prom. How sad does that sound, right? Never did that. Never, ever did that. So I want my kids to enjoy that, which my eldest did. Um, now I'm hoping that my youngest does too, unless, you know, coronavirus needs to be perpetuated, right? Uh, because they think that that's how they're going to win elections, which keep, keep this in mind. Around the nation right now, there are actual cities and counties and, um, you know, businesses that are spraying arrows that you need to walk one way down this sidewalk and you have to keep a distance. Everywhere you go, they have like little X's to keep your distance in circles. Okay. Well, if they want to play like that, I'm sure we could do that for elections too, right guys? <laughs> I mean, we don't need a mail-in ballot. I want to enjoy the opportunity of having my voice heard with my own hands. Just put the circles and the X's, man, and I'll just file and go through. Now, um, we're going to get into uh, more of this um, with, well, okay. So if you go to a business, let, let, me, let me backtrack. If you go to a business and you tell them that you can't wear a mask, they ask you for a doctor's note. That is a violation of HIPAA and, uh, you know, the American Disabilities Act that you have to disclose that you have a medical condition in public, right? Now, someone probably saw my notes. I'm pretty sure I didn't tweet it out. Uh, genius, though. Um, his... Uh, um, 
his uh, Twitter handle is at RealDominator39 says, Tori says, speaking of HIPAA, aren't all these contact tracers a violation of it? If they're not, if they're notifying people you've been in contact with that they must be quarantined because you have the virus, isn't that against the law? If someone goes out on family medical, you can't ask why, right? That's true. If you file medical leave from work, they're not allowed to ask you what's wrong with you. If you uh, tell someone that you're sick, they're not allowed to ask you what's wrong with you. But here's the thing. It's not only that, that they contact other people telling them that you're sick. They're putting you on a public record. In the state of Minnesota, they actually flag your address to say that you have leprosy. I mean, coronavirus. So (laughs) no one's supposed to come there. So first responders are aware that you're sick. This is publicly available. So now you've been marked with a yellow star being told to the world that you're sick and you have a disease. People that have HIV aren't even forced to disclose it, but you're forced to disclose coronavirus. You're forced to be arrested. Your kids removed because of coronavirus. This is a big problem. This should be taken into account while they're trying to push along this bill to make contact tracing available, which is really weird. So So they have the ability to spend billions of dollars on creating, you know, uh, Karen cops, right? That'll track you down and tell the world you're sick and they need to isolate themselves from you and, you know, treat you like a second class citizen or a child of a lesser God, right? They can spend that and they can find out who you are, where you are, where have you been, but they can't do that for voter ID and verify if you're allowed to vote the, the hypocrisy, I mean, the hypocrisy. And you're going to say, Tori, we know this is why we're frustrated. What do we do? Grab our guns and go to the street. No, that's what they want. We have to sit pretty. And I'm telling you, June, July, and August, you are going to be pulling your hair out. I warn you now, pulling your hair out. You will say this is not happening. They're bla- they got caught lying. They're still lying. This is there. Like even if it comes out that Speaker Pelosi has been taking hydroxychloroquine, which I am 99.99999% sure, and I can't, <laughs> can't stress that enough, it won't even be a story. She'll flip it around saying, well, I said that he shouldn't take it because I was concerned for him. Like, I'm not overweight like Donald Trump, so I can take it because I was told to for national security. You know, they'll not talk about it, just like they not talk about that Barack Hussein Obama led this coup. They're saying it's normal. There were people that I was listening to that are supposedly conservative, you know, voices on these subscribing type, you know, news places. And I've mentioned the clown that I don't like again and again many times that, you know, oh yeah, you know, the presidents have that discretion. They have the discretion to, you know, give people permission to unmask people as they feel like it. Uh, no, they don't. It's like being a doctor. You can't just sit on the system and say, oh, let me just see what Joe Smith has. Oh, let me just see what his relative, oh, my kid's dating that person. Let me look up their medical record. You can't do that. That's a violation of privacy. Uh, you know, you have rights in this nation. Same thing goes for unmasking people. You can't just unmask someone because you're like, I want to see what they're up to. I want to see what they've done in that country. Hey, embassy, give me records. Hey, do this. Remember that report that I did where I told you in 2018 and I wrote about it, how the ambassador of Russia was kicked out. He was kicked out 
kicked out, kicked out. Why? Because there were records. Secret Service was looking at it. There were records that a Russian national that was working at the embassy was lifting travel and all this information and giving it to who? Nellie Orr. Because Nellie Orr was there. So if we actually look at the embassy records, we'll see that Nellie Orr actually traveled there and met with the ambassador. This is their go-to. These, this is what you have to do. You have to, before you get to the, to, to the head of the snake, right? You got to take out the peripheries and the, uh, you know, these random rogue elements like uh, the Nelly Ors and the Victorias and the, the you know, Carlins and the, the you're going to be like, but those are big names. Yeah, they're still rogue. You know, you've got, uh, you know, your libtards, you know, there's a story that, you know, I can't talk about because Millie Weaver is going to break it. She came into some really cool information and I'm hoping Thursday I have her on. Maybe she'll say something on it. I don't know. But I thought maybe I can have Millie Weaver on on Thursday so we can kind of talk about stuff. But when you see the type of people that are orchestrating movements and things in the shadows to eliminate this president, as they call it, that's their goal. You know, that's what happens. I mean, look. They had bullets in their chambers. They shot them and they failed because how do you, you know, how to listen to this. For example, I tired some people out, right? So it's like a boxing ring. If I'm going to bat with someone and, you know, obviously I'm in a position where I have everyone booing for me, nobody likes me and everything. I'm just going to use my fancy footwork, which is not really existent because I'm overweight and a smoker. But, um, you know, I'd use my fancy footwork and be like, yo, 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 you know, come get me, come get me. And they expend all their energy and they have nothing left. So you just let them take their AK-47, shoot their Uzi bullets out, right? Trying to grab anything they can find, kind of like chemotherapy, right? You just take it and you just hope that it kills the cancer. That's what the Democrats are doing. They're just taxalling all of us, right? all of us, hoping that somewhere it will stick. And, you know, throwing narratives, pushing narratives, pushing narratives again and again and again. And they will continue to do this until they have made you come down to your knees and realize that you cannot win. That's what they want you to think. They want you to have this as a reality. Oh my gosh, I'm never going to win. It's over. No one's going to jail. It's over. The wall hasn't been finished. It's over, even though it's mostly finished. Oh my gosh, this is happening. It's over. Uh, you know, so-and-so isn't going to jail when he blatantly lied. It's over. Comey's still walking around. It's over. Brennan's walking around. It's over. They've been robbing us blind. It's over. No, it's not. It just got started. Because see, while they tell you that you can't fight them, right? While they make you feel like they're holding their hand out and you're throwing punches and it's just finding air, you are dismantling them one by one like a Jenga, right? And it's all about taking out that piece until it's so unstable that it crumbles. This is what we are doing. It takes time and it takes tactic. And all of you were upset. No, no, just arrest them. It's done. It's finished. I'm over, I'm over this. I want them all in jail. It's finished. Well, don't worry. 
That's not how you do it. Jenga is a game of strategy, isn't it? Where you pull it out, pull it out, and hopefully you pull the right one out. So when your opponent comes for a counterattack to win, it topples on them. This is exactly what you do because you need them to pull their own pants down. It will be, they will be unable. They will be unable to redeem themselves from, from this. They will be completely disabled from being able to say anything. I mean, look, they're attacking citizen journalists. They're attacking Q. They're attacking everything. Oh my gosh. This is all conspiracy theories. Well, you know, these conspiracy theories are pretty right. And these conspiracy theories are kind of just being very objective and saying, um, I don't know about this. So what are they going to do? They're going to try to start putting people out there like, oh, you know what? Alex Jones is a problem. And today we saw that silencing a speech. For those of you that are Android users and use the Talk Stream Live app, uh, Alex Jones and InfoWars have been removed from the app. So you cannot choose to stream them on the Android platform. This way, they have reduced his reach. Android, Google. That means that if he's using any feed burner from Google, that's been disabled for sure. And this is how people stream Alex Jones, right? They use the feeds from Talk Radio Co., from all these places, in order to be able to hear um, Alex Jones live on podcast. Now, one will say, like, you know, Alex Jones is awesome because, the, you know, I actually compete with him for my numbers. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. I, I can't believe I'm saying, I, but I want him there. I love listening to him. I go back and listen to him all the time. And you know, he makes me chuckle, right? And he's super over the top, but that's why we like him, right? So, and he deserves a platform. I mean, I listen to other clowns. I listen to Mark Levin sometimes and I'm like, you loser, you know, you're, you're saying this because this, or I listen to other people. I even listen to people on, on, on the left. You know, I listen to them. I listen to a lot of people and, you know, it's, it's great because I, I like to see what their audience believes, uh, because that helps me quash the narrative before it becomes big. I mean, that's our jobs, uh, right. As citizen journalists to cut through the noise. And when they're making the noise, we need to find out how to make a bigger splash, be that bull in a China cabinet and break it down. So after this uh, break, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, the who we're going to talk about the CIA spying on Flynn. We're going to talk about my special guest that's coming tomorrow. That's going to be so incredible. Um, and, um, well, and a few more hints of, uh, things that are to come before this month goes out, uh, along with the announcement of this new stimulus. So we're all getting another $1,200, but this time it's coming on a prepaid card. You mean credits. I'll see you guys all right after this short break. real news 
welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So uh, now we're just going to continue a little bit on this uh, whole uh, who thing, because we had a lot of big names say that President Trump was going to start funding the who again, which was, again, how many times does he have to? How many does does he have to, have to, have to give that impression uh, you know, uh, how many times does he have to give him the impression that he's in a weak spot before you guys get it, that he says things purposely, that there's always a purpose to the vague responses. So now we're going to go over his excellencies, uh, you know, uh, Tedros, who received a letter uh, from the president of the United States. So remember, it's Ted Rose, who was the lead researcher in malaria. So he knows that hydroxychloroquine works. So I'm just going to tell you straight out, if there's a vaccine, they already have this. This is a pandemic. So anyway, this is why they did this. They wanted people to get scared. Guys, the lead guy on malaria was on top of this. He saw that it was that, 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 that he was an expert in hydroxychloroquine years ago, and now he didn't see it and everyone hates hydroxychloroquine are you getting this this is how dumb it is it's like me uh you know being an expert in i don't know how to clean water right with a cheesecloth i invented the cheesecloth i know what dirty water that gets clean with cheesecloth looks like the world is getting this dirty water and i'm the specialist in with the solution and the water recognizing it and i'm telling everyone my gosh there's no need need to panic and then everyone's getting sick supposedly from this dirty water i'm like oh my gosh dirty water we need to find a vaccine we need to find a cure for this we need to find a cure even though i have the cheesecloth. I'm not giving it out to people to filter the water so they could be fine. And I know this and I'm crying about it and telling him, oh, there's nothing you can do. We need to money, money, money. Everyone die. Everybody Gestapo, social distance, do this, do that. All the while they have the cure. So the president writes him a letter and he says on April 14th, 2020, I suspended United States contributions to the World Health Organization pending an investigation by my administration of the organization's failed response to the COVID-19 outbreak. This review has confirmed many of serious concerns I raised last month and identified others uh, that the World Health Organization should have addressed, especially the World Health Organization's alarming lack of independence from the People's Republic of China. Based on this review, we now know the following. The World Health Organization consistently ignored credible reports of the virus spreading in Wuhan in early December of 2019 or even earlier, including reports from the Lancet Medical Journal. The World Health Organization failed to independently investigate credible reports that conflicted directly with the Chinese government's official accounts, even those that came from the sources within Wuhan itself. By no later than December 30th, 2019, the World Health Organization office in Beijing knew that there was a major public health concern in Wuhan. Between December 26th and December 30th, China's media highlighted evidence of a new virus emerging from Wuhan based on patient data sent to multiple Chinese genomic companies. Additionally, during this period, Dr. Zhang Yang, a doctor from Hubei Provincial Hospital of Integrated Chinese and Western Medicine, told China's health authorities that a new coronavirus was causing a novel disease that was at the time afflicting approximately 180 patients. By the next day, Taiwanese authorities had communicated information to the World Health 
Health Organization indicating human-to-human transmission of the new virus. Yet the World Health Organization chose not to share any of this critical information with the rest of the world, probably for political reasons. Kind of like the political reasons that the World Health Organization refused to acknowledge Taiwan as a nation. Remember, I played that clip where the reporter asked them about Taiwan and they would not recognize that they are a nation. The international health regulations require countries to report risk of health emergency within 24 hours. But China did not inform the World Health Organization of Wuhan several cases of pneumonia of unknown origin until December 31st, 2019, even though it likely had knowledge of these cases days or weeks earlier. According to Dr. Zhang Ohang of the Shanghai Public Health Clinic Center, he told Chinese authorities on January 5th, 2020, that he had sequenced the genome of the virus. There was no publication of this information until six days later on January 11th, 2020, when Dr. Zhang himself posted it online. The next day, Chinese authority closed his labs for, re- for rectification. Sorry, As even the World Health Organization acknowledged, Dr. Zhang's posting was a great act of transparency. But the World Health Organization has been conspicuously silent, both with respect to the closure of Dr. Zhang's lab and his assertion that he notified Chinese authorities of his breakthrough six days earlier. The World Health Organization has repeatedly made claims about the coronavirus that were either grossly inaccurate or misleading. I would even add purposeful. On January 14, 2020, he didn't say that, I added that. On January 14, 2020, the World Health Organization gratuitously reaffirmed China's now debunked claim that the coronavirus could not be transmitted between humans, stating preliminary investigation conducted by the Chinese authorities have found no clear evidence of human-to-human transmission of the novel coronavirus uh, COVID-19 identified in Wuhan, China. This assertion is in direct conflict with censored reports from Wuhan. Now, parenthesis here, let's remember that Taiwan had advised them earlier than that that there was human-to-human transmission, but again, the World Health Organization does not recognize Taiwan as an independent nation or a nation in itself. Let's just remember that. On January 21st, 2020, President Xi of China reportedly pressured you not to declare the coronavirus outbreak an emergency. You gave in to this pressure in the next day and told the world the coronavirus did not pose a public health emergency of international concern. Just over one week later, on January 30th, 2020, overwhelming evidence to the contrary forced you to reverse course. On January 28th, after meeting with President Xi in Beijing, you praised the Chinese government for its transparency with respect to the coronavirus. Uh, what, eight weeks later? Okay. Uh, announcing that China had set a new standard for outbreak control. Uh, what is that? Rounding people up and burning them alive? I don't know. And brought the world and bought the world some time. Did they, though? You did not mention that China had by then silenced or punished several doctors for speaking out about the virus and restricted Chinese institutions from publishing information about it. Even after you belatedly declared the outbreak a public health emergency of international concern on January 30th, you failed to press China for a timely admittance of the World Health Organization team of international medical experts. As a result, this critical team did not arrive in China until two weeks later on February 16, 2020. And even then, the team was not allowed to visit Wuhan until the final days of their visit. Remarkably, the WHO was silent on China, denied the two American members of the team access to 
Wuhan entirely. You also strongly praised China's strict domestic travel restrictions, but were inexplicably against my closing of the United States border. You remember that, guys? Do you remember that? How the WHO said, how dare President Trump close the U.S. border to Chinese people? Or the ban with respect to people coming from China. I put the ban in place regardless of your wishes. Your political gamemanship on this issue was deadly as other governments relying on your comments delayed imposing life-saving restrictions on travel from China. Incredibly, on February 3rd, 2020, you reinforced your position, opining that because China was doing such a great job protecting the world from the virus, travel restrictions were causing more harm than good. Yet, by then, the world knew that before locking down Wuhan, Chinese authorities had allowed more than 5 million people to leave leave the city, and that many of these people were bound for international destinations all over the world. As of February 3rd, 2020, China was strongly pressuring countries to live for forced wall travel restrictions. This pressure campaign was bolstered by your incorrect statements on that day, telling the world that the spread of the virus outside of China was minimal and slow, and that the chances of getting this going to anywhere outside of China were very low. On March 3rd, 2020, the World Health Organization cited official Chinese data to downplay the very risk of the asymptomatic spread, telling the world that COVID-19 does not transmit as efficiency as efficiently as influenza and that unlike influenza this disease was not primarily driven by people who are infected but yet uh, but not yet sick. China's evidence, um, the World Health Organization told the world, showed that only 1% of reported cases do not have symptoms. And most of those cases develop sy- sy- uh, symptoms within two days. This is the stuff that the WHO said. Listen carefully. By the time he finally declared the virus was a pandemic on March 11, 2020, it killed more than 4,000 people and infected more than 100,000 people in at least 114 countries around the world. On April 11, 2020, several African ambassadors wrote to the Chinese foreign ministry about the discriminatory treatment of Africans related to the pandemic in Guazhou and other cities of China. You were aware that the Chinese authorities were carrying out a campaign of forced quarantines, evictions, and refusal of services against the nationals of these countries. You have not commented on China's racially discriminatory actions. You have, however, baselessly labeled as racist Taiwan's well-founded complaints about your mishandling of the pandemic. That's because they don't acknowledge Taiwan as a nation. Now, throughout this crisis, the World Health Organization has been curiously inconsistent on praising China for its alleged transparency, consistently joined the tributes, notwithstanding that China has been anything but transparent, okay? And he ends it with, the World Health Organization has failed to publicly call on China to allow for an independent investigation into the origins of the virus, despite the recent endorsement for doing so by its own emergency committee. The World Health Organization's failure to do so has prompted the World Health Organization member states to adopt COVID-19 response resolution at this year's World Health Assembly, which echoes the call by the United States and so many others for impartial, independent, and comprehensive review of how the World Health Organization handled the crisis. The resolution also calls for an investigation into the origins of the virus, which is necessary for the world to understand how to best counter the disease. Perhaps worse than all these findings is that we now we know that the World Health Organization could have done so much better. Just a few years ago, under the direction of a different director general, the World Health Organization showed the world how much it has to offer. In 2003, in response to the outbreak of severe ac- uh, acute respiratory system uh, syndrome, SARS, in China, 
Director General Harlem Brundtland boldly declared the World Health Organization's first emergency travel advisory in 55 years, recommending against travel to and from the disease epicenter in southern China. She also did not hesitate to criticize China for endangering global health by attempting to cover up the outbreak through its usual playbook of arresting whistleblowers and censoring media. Many lives could have been saved, saved had you follow your predecessor, Dr. Brundtland's example. It is clear the repeated missteps by you and your organization in responding to the pandemic have been extremely costly for the world. The only way forward for the World Health Organization is if it can actually demonstrate independence from China. My administration has already started discussions with you on how to reform the organization, but action is needed quickly. We do not have time to waste that is why it is my duty as president of the United States to inform you that if the World Health Organization does not commit to a major substantive improvements within the next 30 days, I will make my temporary freeze of United States funding to the World Health Organization permanent and reconsider our membership in the organization. I cannot allow American taxpayer dollars to continue to finance an organization that in its present state is so clearly not serving Americans' interest. That is what he said. Yet, what did we hear from all our right and left media that Trump is reconsidering this, that he was going to do this, that he is going to give them money and he's considering it? Of course. It's called misinformation. Of course. It's trying to let them think they're winning. Of course. It's all a ploy. This guy used to negotiate with mobsters, man. You got to smile, show those pearly whites, and Make them think you're on it. Now, let's take a listen to what the press secretary has to say about the WHO. World Health Organization, that funding freeze in place for another 30 days. Will, will, is that a definite? Yes, you know, it is at the moment. The president's letter was very revealing. One of the most disturbing things that I think was in the letter uh, the president wrote about the WHO was that on January 21st, you had the Chinese president, Xi Jinping, telling the WHO, pressuring the WHO to not call this a health emergency. And the very next day, you had the WHO saying this is not a public health emergency of international concern. That is one of many pieces of evidence we have of the WHO and China slow walking this information. Lives were put at risk and U.S. taxpayer dollars will not go to an organization that slow walks information, has a China bias and puts American lives at risk. All right, so uh, here's a quote from the letter. It is clear that the repeated missteps by you and your organization, as the president of the WHO, responded to the pandemic has been extremely costly for the world. The only way forward for the WHO is for it to actually demonstrate independence from China if the World Health Organization does not commit to major substantive improvements within the next 30 days. I'll make my temporary freeze of United States funding to the uh, World Health Organization permanent. So there's the message. It's unambiguous. So China yesterday reportedly in President Xi was asked to be the keynote speaker. Why not? Uh, and in it, he uh, he gave in to international pressure, which included Russia and Turkey, to allow an investigation into Wuhan. Number one, do you believe it? And number two, is that the type of step forward that you are hoping for? 
Well, I'll leave it to the president as to what steps he hopes to see. The onus is on the WHO here to prove that they don't have a China bias. That is where the onus lies. Uh, they need to assure the United States that taxpayer dollars are used well, uh, particularly when you consider the fact that they were all for China's onerous restrictions of travel into their country. But when the president said, I'm stopping travel at our border uh, from Wuhan, we were told by the WHO that that was a bad decision. So interesting facts like that really highlight the problems there. But I'll leave it to the president as to what changes he wants to see. You know, Kaylee, when you look at the numbers, the contributing countries from 2018 to 2019, we gave no, almost $900 million, the United States. China gave $90 million, not even close to what we gave. Why, what is there, what, why is the WHO so supportive of China and not us when we bankroll them? That is the million-dollar question. And what do we get for that 400000000 million-odd we give and China giving a fraction of that? We get the fact that they hide information given to them from Taiwanese officials that this virus had human-to-human -human transmission. That information was hidden. Uh, the information about this potentially having asymptomatic spread, uh, that also was information not given to us. What have we gotten in return for our money? We finally have a president who says that's enough of funding these global organizations where we get Get very little in return. Right. Kaylee, let's switch gears. Uh, down the street from where you are, Department of Justice Bill Barr was there yesterday and uh, was taking an overview of what has happened to the president, uh, starting with the campaign and looking at the history of that and said, you know what happened to him? Not normal. Here's the AG. What happened to the president in the 2016 election and throughout the first two years of his administration was abhorrent. It was a grave injustice, and it was unprecedented in American history. We saw two different standards of justice emerge, one that applied to President Trump and his associates, and the other that applied to everybody else. We can't allow this ever to happen again. And I'm sure you would agree with that. One of the other things he said was that from what, it, and apparently he talks to John Durham, who's doing this invest, uh, investigation, talks to him every day. He says from what he has seen, uh, he does not expect uh, Vice President Biden or uh, President Obama to be involved in any sort of criminal investigation going forward. And then the president said after that, he said, well, I'm kind of surprised. What's the president surprised about? Well, the president's surprised that there are a lot of questions that still need to be answered by President Obama, um, by Vice President Biden, namely the fact that the Department of Justice learned about the Michael Flynn conversation and the unmasking in the Oval Office from President Obama. I mean, that's remarkable. Think about that. You had Sally Yates saying, wow, I had no idea about this until President Obama informed me about this conversation. You had a half a dozen uh, partisan officials unmasking Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. And, you know, Steve, I have to ask you if the tables were turned, if an RNC-funded dossier was used to spy on members of Vice President Biden's uh, current campaign, what would happen? What would happen if Trump administration officials like Mark Meadows and Vice President Pence uh, were unmasking people like John Kerry? Uh, that would, heads would explode, and rightfully so, but that's what happened right. under the Obama administration. Um, but if the tables were turned, you'd have the media caring a whole lot more. Right. You're right.
She's totally right. But now, this next half hour is going to blow your mind completely. Remember SCOTUSgate. Remember that, right? Remember SCOTUSgate. So here is where you're going to hear about SCOTUSgate uh, in the next half hour. And uh, we're going to end it on, uh, you know, the note of what was going on with Mike Flynn. So I want you to know that there was a filing uh, by the Democrats Uh, They filed to the Supreme Court of the United States opposition to the application for a stay mandate in this in this statement, in this document that they filed with the Supreme Court. They told them that even though he was not impeached, they're still investigating the president for more impeachment. Right. And we know this. They're going to be they're going to be pulling it from wherever they can. I told you SCOTUS gate is going to be huge. So here's what they're telling you. And this is something I told you. You didn't need the SCOTUS filing to know. But it says, and it starts with, the Department of Justice does not meet the standard for a stay of the mandate pending disposition of its petition for a writ of sedatory and its application for a stay should therefore be denied. At bottom... DOJ has failed to demonstrate that this court's review would be a warranted one. This case involves the correctness of an order by Chief Judge Howell and based in part on an exercise of her discretion. So they're saying that Chief Howell, Chief Judge Howell, that she um, made that decision discretionary, that it wasn't like all because of the law. So what did she do? Uh, She put an order in, uh, let me just finish, let me read it for you, for disclosure to the House Committee on the Judiciary of a limited set of, listen to this, grand jury materials for use in the committee ongoing presidential impeachment investigation. So he was not impeached, but they're still impeaching him and investigating and requested grand jury sealed. They want to know who's going to jail. You get it? You get it? So the decision by the Court of Appeals affirming that the district court order is unanimous on the question DOJ plans to bring before this court. Whether an impeachment trial in the Senate is a judicial proceeding for purposes of one of the exceptions to the grand jury secrecy articulated in the federal rule, blah, blah, blah. Basically, what they want is uh, what they have under seal. They want to know who's going to jail. They want to know the grand juries that all of us have been testifying at. They want to know what's going on. They're saying the court of appeals correctly determined that a Senate impeachment trial is a judicial proceeding. So they're claiming it. They're saying it. They're like, they're not giving us stuff. We want to see stuff. Why aren't you giving us stuff? So the house judiciary committee investigation has not ceased with the impeachment trial. So they're still doing it and they're investigating to recommend new articles of impeachment. (laughs) Remember that tweet that I was banned for? Yep. Okay. The DOJ, they, they, you know, they're they're upset that the DOJ has dismissed, uh, you know, they we withdrew their petition to go after Flynn. The fact that Stone's case reversed the sentencing, uh, you know, recommendation, uh, and you know he's being, you know, sentenced later and he's not in jail. They're really upset, so they are various. They're very upset. The Democrats are arguing that the preliminary impeachment hearings in the House are. Uh, 
uh, constitute a pending judicial proceeding. And they say, because our hearings are pending of a judicial proceeding, we should have open book free, you know, free for all to see everything that's under seal that, you know, and uh, grand jury materials. And that's the way it is. We, we are supposed to because we have a need for that. And to establish this particularized need under this law and that law, you know, we have to see it to see if we need that. And the need for disclosure is greater than the need for continued secrecy and that the request is structured only of material needed. So they'll be like, so we want to know if anybody in the Mueller investigation group is under, uh, you know, grand jury uh, deliberations or is anybody in the house, you know, it's kind of like a foyer request right this is how they go fishing losers losers so we're gonna see how this goes but didn't i say scotus gate because this is gonna be fun this is gonna be a lot of fun now remember before this coronavirus right they they told us how the russians are after us how the russians are gonna kill us <laughs> how the russians are our enemy and now right they're telling us how coronavirus is gonna kill us how coronavirus wasn't it president trump that said china was one of the biggest threats didn't he go to north korea in order to get that done like and we're gonna talk north korea because there's a lot of stuff happening on that front that people do not know uh clone lives matter uh you know there are things that people have no idea um are going on right now and they're really important so we're going to be talking about that too. I'll see you in a bit. Welcome back, everyone. So we've got the Democrats ready to go, ready to go, saying that, you know, we are going to impeach Trump again. We are investigating and we want access to all the secret grand juries because uh, they're terrified. So I want you to hear. Um, Let's bring Cotton. in Senator Tom Cotton. Tom Cotton sits and talks about uh, the abuses, gross abuses of power. Listen to this. He joins us live now. He sits on the Armed Services, Banking and Intelligence Committee. Senator, good morning to you. Thanks so much for being here. So first Thanks, to that, and Lindsey Graham announcing that he's going to hold this vote to subpoena more than 50 current and former officials involved in the Russia investigation. Do you support his move to do so? Yes, I do. The Congress needs to get to the bottom of exactly what the Obama administration and the FBI was doing in the final days of the campaign in 2016 and during the transition to spy on the Trump campaign. And it would appear to disrupt the peaceful transfer of power, a hallmark of our republic going back more than 200 years. Just last week, we learned that almost 40 Obama administration officials had unmasked the name of General Mike Flynn. Some of them may have had legitimate reasons to do so, career intelligence professionals, many of whom operate undercover, but there were a lot of partisan officials on that list as well. The White House Chief of Staff, the Secretary of the Treasury, even Vice President Biden himself. When you pile that on to the abuses of getting electronic uh, wiretaps on some Trump campaign advisors, we need to get to the bottom of what was happening. A.G. Bill Barr there, as you just heard in his own words, saying he does not believe that the John Durham probe will lead to criminal investigations of either Joe Biden or Barack Obama. The president saying he was very surprised by that yesterday. Here's President Trump. 
I'm surprised because Obama knew everything that was happening. I don't think Obama knows where he, where he uh, you know, is in a lot of ways. I saw his statements the other day, and I think that, frankly, they weren't very good. That's President Obama. Uh, as far as uh, Biden's concerned, I can't — that I can't tell you. Only he knows what he knows. I don't think he knows too much. But I think Obama and Biden knew about it. Uh, they were participants. Were you equally surprised by that, Senator? Well, like the president, I have great confidence in Attorney General Barr, and he obviously knows details of the criminal investigation that I don't. He did say that based on information he has at the moment, he doesn't perceive uh, a likelihood of criminal charges against either President Obama or Vice President Biden. But there's no doubt, based on the transcripts that have now been declassified and released, that President Obama and Vice President Biden were well aware of what the FBI was doing. In fact, the acting attorney general told the House Intelligence Committee that she learned about the unmasking of Mike Flynn's phone calls from President Obama himself. That's why it's so important that we get to the bottom of what was going on in the final days of the Obama administration. Even if there's not a violation of law, there appears to be gross abuses of power. Meanwhile, I want to turn your focus now to the coronavirus and your strong words on China and a brand new opinion piece. Uh, well, I don't want to hear that. We already have our opinions on China. We don't need to hear his opinions on China, do we? Uh, so what have we seen? We've seen him now say that there's no law broken, but an abuse of power, which is True and false. The laws that were broken is utilizing access to uh, unmask and uh, surveil American citizens via our Five Eyes partner. That's going to be coming soon. And I wrote an article about that telling you why they hadn't lost their clearances over two years ago to let you know as to how they got all this thing, all this stuff done. So... Tomorrow, I'm going to be having someone that I've been, I'm so excited to have on the show. I'm going to have acting, uh, uh, former acting attorney general, Matt Whitaker on. So let's take a listen to him on Tucker yesterday and what he had to say on uh, trusting the intelligence agencies, because obviously we're going to be discussing that in uh, a way that's completely different. Like if you are working, I suggest you like get some wired headphones and just slip me in your ear because you are not going to want to miss that interview. Uh, it's going to be starting at noon Eastern time promptly. So I'm going to have him on my first hour. It's going to be pretty awesome. Uh, and for all of my subscribe star, um, members, again, I'm going to be, um, putting out something and the person who, uh, you know, uh, sends me a message on subscribe star first because it comes in order of the special word or whatever, um, gets, uh, you know, a copy of, um, Matt Whitaker's new book. So from me, I'll send it to you. Uh, so without further ado, let's take a listen on his take on trusting the intelligence agencies. Well, throughout the Michael Flynn saga, many assumed that Flynn was spied on and then unmasked by half the Obama administration due to the FISA surveillance of the Russian ambassador. But a recent really interesting piece in National Review by frequent show guest Andy McCarthy makes a really interesting, a really a compelling claim. He says that Flynn's phone call was never unmasked at all. Instead, McCarthy argues the facts point to another weirder possibility that the CIA was spying on Flynn's call and never followed FISA restrictions in the first place. Matt Whitaker is former acting attorney general and author of the brand new book, Above the Law, the inside story of how the Justice Department tried to subvert President Trump. 
Matthew Whitaker joins us tonight. Thanks so much for coming on. So right how, what do you make of this theory that the CIA ignored FISA and just spied on Flynn? Well, as you point out, because he was not unmasked, there was no request from the time of that phone call in, on December 29th until really the White House meeting on January 5th, when ultimately the White House uh, chief of staff requested unmasking of General Flynn, there has to be some other explanation because on January 3rd of 2017, Andy McCabe went to the National Security Division head at DOJ, Mary McCourt, and said essentially the contents of the call. And so there is a period of time from the 29th of December of 16 until that meeting between McCabe and McCourt where someone told McCabe and then McCabe transmitted that information. So, and there's no unmasking in that t- period of time. So it's very right. uh, curious, to say the least. So uh, you ran the Justice Department. Explain to us non-lawyers, would it be legal for the CIA to spy on American citizens and then just leak what they found to other agencies and the media? Uh, the short answer is no. There are constitutional tenants here that are at play. Now, this happened while um, Mr. Flynn was out of the country, and we don't specifically know where the ambassador to Russia was located. It may have been in D.C., may have been in Russia. So this may have been intercepted by the CIA under a different program or by a friendly uh, third, part, third country. But the biggest concern is exactly what you point out, which is this constitutional uh, that it violates the Fourth Amendment. It violates all sorts of policies and procedures. But nonetheless, on January 30, Andy McCabe had essentially the transcript of verbatim of this call. No elected leader can run a country in which the biggest law enforcement and intel agencies operate independently in violation of the Constitution. Democracy dies under those circumstances. So we have to fix this. It doesn't seem like anyone's really working to fix it. Please reassure me that someone is, because I just don't see it. Well, the Constitution is ever renewing, and those we continue to live under those, and we do need our elected and appointed executive branch officials, including the intelligence agencies, to follow basic tenets of constitutional law. Uh, it, it is, uh, you're right, this country will suffer and suffer greatly if we don't get back to that being the fundamental basis of all of these surveillance programs and making sure that the, the, the law and the Constitution is followed every single time. Hold on. We're going to replay it part. Okay. Hold on. Um, here we go, because I'm going to answer this question. Under a different program or by a friendly uh, third part, third country. Oops, wait a little bit more back. The there we go. Constitutional tenants here that are at play. Now, this happened while um, Mr. Flynn was out of the country. And we don't specifically know where the ambassador to Russia was located. It may have been in D.C., may have been in Russia. So this may have been intercepted by the CIA under a different program or by a friendly uh, third part, third country. Okay, so where was the U.S. ambassador to Russia when that happened? You want me to tell you guys? Because you just need to revisit my article about the Russia hoax, part three. Um, I recycled that. I wrote that uh, 2018, Okay, because I already told you. And uh, the one thing is, is that, uh, you know, we already know. So we're going to let them fall into that trap of telling us, right, how that happened and when. We're going to let it go. We're going to let it happen. We're going to let it see. I also put his daughters up there for a very specific reason. 
uh, people need to be paying attention to that. Uh, because, you know, Linick wanted a stonewall, right, and obfuscate where the ambassador was. But, you know, Tori knows. And Tori knows who he met with. And Tori knows who gave it to him. Tori knows how Nellie Orr got it. And I've been telling you that for years now. Uh, you know, after, you know, I knew about the spy being caught in August of 2017 at the Russian embassy, at the U.S. embassy in Russia. And this is why he left his salty goodbye, September 2017, uh, 2018, sorry, 2017, sorry, that he had in the Moscow Times tells you everything you need to know. See, the one thing about corrupt people is that they're that just that super corrupt. And we know exactly who, what, when and where. So again, listen to that statement that Matt Whitaker made on American citizens and then just leak what they found to other agencies and the media. Uh, the short answer is no. There are constitutional tenants here that are at play. Now, this happened while um, Mr. Flynn was out of the country, and we don't specifically know where the ambassador to Russia was located. It may have been in D.C., may have been in Russia. So this may have been intercepted by the CIA under a different program or by a friendly uh, third, part, third country. But the biggest concern is exactly what you point out, which is this constitutional uh, that it violates the Fourth Amendment, it violates all sorts of policies and procedures. But nonetheless, on January 30, Andy McCabe had essentially the transcript of verbatim of this call. No elected leader can run a country in which the biggest law enforcement and intel agencies operate independently in violation of the Constitution. Democracy dies under those circumstances. So we have to fix this. It doesn't seem like anyone's really working to fix it. Please reassure me that someone is, because I just don't see it. Well, the Constitution is ever renewing, and those we continue to live under those, and we do need our elected and appointed executive branch officials, including the intelligence agencies, to follow basic tenets of constitutional law. Uh, it, it is, uh, you're right, this country will suffer and suffer greatly if we don't get back to that being the fundamental basis of all of these surveillance programs and making sure that the, the, the law and the Constitution is followed every single time. So, because unlike Mitch McConnell, Democrats just don't mess around at all. If a Democrat is elected president, next time one is, aren't they just going to fire everybody and put their cousins in charge of these agencies? Well, hopefully from this painful chapter that we've experienced over the last three years, really since the transition of power in 2016 to the Trump administration, the intelligence agencies have uh, lacked some adult supervision. I think we are seeing folks put in by the Trump administration, but there's no uh, promise that when Biden, you know, if, if he were to get elected, uh, would put adults in charge of the intelligence agency. Right. No, he put loyalists in charge. He'd be afraid not yeah. to. And that's when things just, coll that's when we just get fully third world at that point, I think. Matt, right. Matt Whitaker, thank you so much. Congrats on the new book. Thank you, Tucker. So what did he say? Let's re-listen, because sometimes when we listen to it a second time, it makes more sense. Uh, You're right. This country will suffer and suffer greatly if we don't get back to that being the fundamental basis of all of these surveillance programs and making sure that the, the, the law and the Constitution is followed every single time. So, because unlike Mitch McConnell, Democrats just don't mess around at all. If a Democrat is elected president, next time one is... Aren't they just going to fire everybody and put their cousins in charge of these agencies? Well, hopefully from this painful chapter that we've experienced over the last three years, really since 
the transition of power in 2016 to the Trump administration, the intelligence agencies have uh, lacked some adult supervision. I think we are seeing folks put in by the Trump administration, but there's no uh, promise that when Biden, you know, if, if he were to get elected, uh, would put adults in charge of the intelligence agency. Right. No, he put loyalists in charge. You'd be afraid not yeah. to. And that's when things just coll- that's when we just get fully third world at that point, I think. We're not third world. Of course we are. We're already there. And that's the thing. So I'm excited about having Matt Whitaker on uh, tomorrow. Um, I'll probably give him a safe word or something (laughs) when he doesn't want to answer. But the question here is that, you know, over, you know, in 2018, I was telling you guys um, who it was that leaked the information back to the Obama administration. I made it clear by showing who was being overpaid, um, you know, that was directly linked to the ambassador um, of the United States in Russia. Uh, this clearly tells you who and what and where. And it, it, it's so bizarre. I mean, we already know Nellie Orr had it, but Nellie Orr didn't feed it back because it had to be a formal channel. Uh, it has to be a formal channel. And what better than someone that's in charge of USAID and, you know, making sure that it's intercepted in the right way that they caught the chatter. That's the way it is. So here we are wondering, is our democracy, is our nation, this experiment, this bizarre experiment of um, the United States of America, will it survive? And again, it, it, it's down to this. It's not so much of being invaded by these clowns, but the fact that they've infiltrated every single facet of our nation. They have infiltrated every single facet, right, left, center, top, bottom. They are everywhere. And like uh, Tucker Carlson said, they're just going to be appointing their cousins and stuff. I mean, you think Joe Biden is going to let it go? And do you think that the picture that I put in that article was happen chance, happenstance, because they're the same thing, actually, those words. Uh, someone had corrected me once uh, that I put a picture of uh, the ambassador and John Kerry chit-chatting. You should be surprised what Linux probably made go away. These are all things you should be examining from a very objective point of view. So allow them to get rid of all the ammo that they may have against us in the next three months. Allow them to make it look like they're kicking us when we're down. Allow them to think they are winning. Allow them Allow them, because this is how we do the fancy footwork until they drop. This is how we win, by letting them think they are winning. That is the only way that we win, by letting them think that we are winning. Because if we don't let them think that we are that they're winning... They're going to sit down and think again. Remember, that's what they did in February, right? When they lost. Remember, I told you, whoa, there was a shift in energy in February. Just got some boots. They were planning something. Lo and behold, coronavirus. So it's um, it's pretty incredible how... Uh, this has played out, how they're pushing uh, for, you know, this coronavirus to kill all of us, how they don't want cures out, how anything. Um, I want you guys to listen 
to this mishmash of video um, and hydroxychloroquine. I'm just showing to you how they're upset that you're not dying and they're upset that there's actually a cure. A study study showed that among a population of uh, veterans in, in a hospital receiving this treatment, those with vulnerable conditions, respiratory conditions, heart ailments, they died. There are also a number of other studies out, including the Journal of the American Medical Association, which examined some 1,438 individuals in the New York area across 25 hospitals from the middle of March to the end of March. The study was a real chance to look at the, the, the benefits that the president insisted were hydroxychloroquine. They concluded that among residents, uh, residents hospitalized in metropolitan New York with COVID-19, the treatment or both compared with neither treatment, no statistical differences. A second study done by Justin Jalaris and colleagues at the New York Presbyterian Hospital, Columbia University Irving Medical Center in northern Manhattan from March 7th to April 8th also showed there were no visible differences, that the risk of intubation or death was not significantly higher or lower among patients who received hydroxychloroquine versus those who did not. The VA study to which the president alluded wasn't a loaded political one. It was a test on patients there and those who took it in a vulnerable population, including those with respiratory or other conditions, they died. I want to stress again, they died. If you are in a risky population here and you are taking this as a preventative uh, treatment to ward off the virus, or in a worst case scenario, you are wow. dealing with the virus. And you I didn't are know that Cavuto was also a doctor. It will kill you. I cannot stress enough. This will kill you. So again, whatever benefits the president says this has, and, and certainly it has had for those suffering from malaria, dealing with lupus, this is a, a leap that, that should not be taken casually by those watching at home or assuming, well, the president of the United States says it's okay. Uh, even the FDA was very cautious about this, unless in a clinical trial, safely and deliberately watched. I only make this not to make a political point here, but a life and death point. Be very, very careful. I want to pursue this. Okay, so now take a listen to what else. <laughs> so now he says that if you're if you're in a risky population, you're going to die, he says. Now, I want you to hear him speaking to a doctor that tells him that it actually can be life-saving. The high-risk group, very quickly, doctor, that might have any of these other issues, um, because there are many right now who might and are hearing the president say that it's a good thing to do. Are you saying that th that group, the one thing you could lose is your life. You've got to be very careful or, or not. It's something that you can consider. Again, you, you have to have the discussion with your doctor um, to decide if it's best for you. It's not going to be good for everyone, um, but it may be beneficial and potentially life-saving for, for others. Um, so I All think right. it's good to have this uh, medication in our toolbox along with remdesivir while we wait for vaccines to uh, become approved and for other All therapeutics right, to get on the market. Oh, he didn't like that. He was like, yeah, now you need to get off. <laughs> I don't like that answer. You got to go. You see, this is the way it goes, guys. They don't want us getting better. They want us sick. They don't want us going outside. They want us indoors. Why? Because of this. Uh -huh.
they want us, they want us down and under. And you know, what's really weird is, is that we have Trey Gowdy telling us uh, about the botched Russia probe, right? Um, he's been talking about it. He's been telling the world about it, how it's been botched and, you know, it's everybody else's fault, but his, while he was there, he had access to everything. Why didn't he stop it? Why didn't he stop? Why didn't they all stop it? Because they're all just for show. Some of them may have done it purposely, though, so we can get to where we're at. Let's just say. It's all for show. Oh, Barr isn't going to arrest them. That's okay. We'll just wait till we get the right one that does it. Is that what we're going to do? Um, so why, if, 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 if rendesivir and if hydroxychloroquine are actually functionable, actually work, or wait, no, if they don't work, then why would China be trying to patent um, the coronavirus drug? Why are they trying to file for a patent on an experimental drug that can tackle the coronavirus? Why are they pushing or aggressively trying to get a patent for this? Why? How do you get a patent for something that you don't own and you don't know about? I am just saying... You know, you need to, you know, how are they trying to get this patent? Let's just say it this way, okay? Let's say, you know, if the application that they've done, uh, you know, actually succeeds, that they get part of it, then the Chinese people that are, you know, that own part of the patent um, have to decide uh, if the drug can be used outside of China um, to treat coronavirus. So, uh, you know, what they're saying is, is that um, they want to get part of this patent because they can um, give China more bargaining chips when negotiating licensing fees of who can use it with Gilead. You see, it's all about money, guys. Look at who's making the money. Like, how, well, how many times have we said it on the Tory Says Show? If you follow the money, you get the answers that you want, right? This is what it's all about. It's about money, money, money. So, you know, we get the, 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 the Bill Gates already has something of vaccines, you know, the dropout, the everything. And the people that are on his leadership council, just so you know, are people like Fauci, uh, Lake, um, Yamada, all these people have, Dr. Fraud Fauci is on his board, like that, that's all you need to know. So just, just be, be on notice that the people that you see on the Bill Gates and Melinda Foundation, look at the people that are on the scientific board, look at the people taking big, hard cash from Bill Gates, including Fauci. Right. Or Cathados. That's another one who's at the Imperial College of London. What a loser. We've got so many of these people. The Welcome Trust in England. Look it into that. That crown, man, it's everywhere. This is what we need to look at. China, 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 China. I can't believe it. Fauci. Fraud Fauci. We should also look into other people, you know, People that work on the global HIV vaccine enterprise. Those are all people you need to look at. Remember, following the money leads you to the source. On that note, guys, I'm really excited. Join me tomorrow with uh, former acting attorney general Matt Whitaker live only on Red State Talk Radio. God bless. See you tomorrow.